0: Hi, I'm Pastor Torrin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. I hope you enjoy this morning's sermon. When I read this, I, I, I you know, anytime you research, um, anytime you research things, especially in a, for those of you who, who may not know, I think all of us, do, do all of us know what happened? on Thursday night in Colorado. I think we all must probably do by now. Uh, just a horrible thing, and it's been blown way out of proportion, too, by the media, just really uh, drawing all attention to it. Um, but this is the article I found. Today it has become almost a truism to call our time an age of fear. In these days of terrifying change, bitter international tension, and chaotic social disruption. Who has not experienced the paralysis of crippling fear? Everywhere there are people depressed and bewildered, irritable and nervous, all because of the monster of fear. Like a nagging hound of hell, fear follows our every footstep, leaving us tormented by day and tortured by night. Our fears assume many disguises and dress themselves in strangely different robes. There are those superstitious fears that range from a fear of walking under a ladder to A fear of Friday the 13th. There are fears that fall under the category of personal anxiety. Everywhere we find men and women facing these fears. They fear bad health, so they begin to find evidence of diseases and every meaningless symptom. They fear growing old, so they dose themselves with a succession of drugs advertising to keep them young. When they are not worried about their physical health, they are worried about their personalities. They fear others, they fear themselves, so they are driven through life with a sense of insecurity, a lack of self confidence and a nagging feeling of failure. They end up with what psychologists call an inferiority inferiority complex. Strangely enough, there are those who fear success and wander aimlessly down the frittering road of excessive drink and sexual promiscuity. How many people have allowed endless fears to transform the sunrise of love and peace into the sunset of depression? That sound like today? It's hard to believe that this was the beginning of a sermon preached by Dr. Martin Luther King back in 1957, isn't it? Fear is one of those things that the church constantly has to deal with. Fear is one of those things that seems to never go away. Every time we feel this sense when things are getting great, things are getting good, it's always some kind of a, a, a moment a tragedy, an experience that always seems to find us going back to, in, in that fear, hiding in the corner. I can remember as a kid, always being afraid of the dark. Did anybody else ever have a fear? Don't, never mind. Don't raise your hand. You don't need to know that. But I had this incessant fear of the dark, and, and you know that that uh, that I used to walk around just running out of a dark room or, or running. Up, a, uh, you know, turn down the, the the lights downstairs, and you run upstairs as fast as you can because you feel something nagging over your shoulder. I used to have those kind of fears, and I guess I could be, to be honest with you, I think the army broke me of that when I had to run around doing night drills, and they won't let you use a flashlight, or or you can't use any. You just have to trust the the little glow uh, stickers on the back of the person's helmet in front of you, and hope that you don't trip on a you know six and a half foot long python out there in the middle of the of the uh, of the, uh, of the forest, but uh, we, um, we always deal with fear. And uh, there are two things. I, I mentioned one scripture earlier that are very prevalent that I think you need to know. One is, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. It's, it's found in, in, in the letters of John. And I want you to understand something. When, when you understand how much God loves you and how much He's done for you, That love does cast out fear. And the second is, God's not given us a spirit of fear, Paul says, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Do you know there's not a single thing that we go through that God isn't going through right in the middle with us? And that's hard to say when you're dealing with with cancer. And and, And you guys aren't the only ones. I mean, it was just not too long ago that we had others that were going through the same fight and the same struggle of trying to why and and how could this be and and, and dealing with the the fear and and, and i remember uh, just like it was yesterday uh when, when my grandparents were sick each one different disease but it was the same thing this fear of, of not knowing what's going to happen a fear of not knowing what's going to take place uh the fear of unknowing it, and it just drove people crazy the bible's full of stories about fear people overcoming fear, but I just wanted to share one with you this morning, and it's found in Matthew chapter 14, and I want to set the story for you for just a minute, because Jesus has just come from a, a great, great miracle work, I mean, he has just come from one of the highlights of his career, in Matthew 14 uh, verses 13 through 21 talk about this wonderful miracle defeating of the 5,000. I love that that scripture and that story uh they They count all the men, but it's one of the children that has the food for the miracle and and uh when they set everybody down, five loaves and two fish become uh you know a, a golden corral, so to speak, and it's a buffet for everybody, and there's twelve baskets of scraps left over and and uh, you know if Jesus wanted to, I guess he could have set up a seashore restaurant there, but uh he didn't. Uh, he didn 't get uh sidetracked by the miracle he kept going with the mission amen and it 's good to remember he, he he did that, and we need to do that too but but you if you're one of the disciples you got to remember this is one of those really powerful things. this was not just something that was done to one person this was something that was done for a whole bunch of people, and it was widespread what was going on and uh, verse twenty two though steps into a little bit different scenario because now uh, the crowds are are gone they 've gotten their food and Jesus has instructed his disciples to go. Uh, so here's what it says. Verse 22 of Matthew chapter 14. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer in his eye, do not be afraid. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had gotten down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. and began to sink, and he, and he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had gotten into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus had, had taken the time to, to get them into the boat and, and went to go get, the, get the, uh, the, the multitudes away. And then I find it funny. It says now in the fourth watch... Uh, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now you got to remember for a minute that this isn't a normal sea. It wasn't calm. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't one of those you know looking like glass. I often laughed because there was a uh, there was a, uh, a a design at one time in the Jewish ministry. They were going to for tourism. They were going to build a glass walkway out in the Sea of Galilee. It was supposed to stretch about three hundred feet out into the Sea of Galilee. So you would get the illusion of what it would have been like to walk on water. I laughed because I thought to myself for a minute, I don't think anybody's going to do it the way Jesus did it because when Jesus did it, it wasn't in the middle of a calm spring afternoon. It was in the middle of a storm. In fact, I don't know if you've been on a boat in the middle of a storm before or not, but I can tell you I, I have been out in a canoe on the river before in the middle of a storm, and it's not fun. When the wind begins to pick up, even in a river, waves can come uh, different ways. And and if other people are speeding by you trying to get out of the river, they create wakes, and the wakes and the winds uh, crisscross, and then you get all kinds of uh, turbulent uh, uh, waves. I can only imagine what it was like to be out there in that boat that night. Now, they had just seen this great miracle, but what was... uh, imperative to them was not the miracle they just witnessed but the fact they were in the middle of a storm now the last time they were in the middle of a storm out at sea jesus was in the boat with them do you remember this story jesus was in the boat just like all of us good people have no nothing to worry with anything on our minds our conscience is clear he was asleep in the boat and uh... they they finally got to the point where the water was rushing in so bad to the boat and they felt the boat was going to capsize then they finally woke up Jesus I, I think if it had been me personally I probably would have woke up Jesus the moment the wind started blowing saying hey you better you, know, you better get up this could get bad instead they wait till the boat almost capsizes before they even wake up Jesus and Jesus of course he rebukes the wind and the waves and, and automatically they stop and, and the Bible says one of those great understatements of the word and they marveled <laughs> like like how in the world well he's God, of course he can stop the wind and the waves. But this time, the disciples are, are without Jesus. Jesus is up in the mountain praying. And, and he, he knows that they're out there alone. And, and uh, I think it's in the book of Luke, the story says, that he saw them from up on the mountain and decided to go out to meet them. In this, But it was, I, I just picture this for a minute. Here's this boat, it's rocking, it's rocking, it's rocking. Back and forth, side to just seeing how many of you get queasy from storytelling, but uh, there's this idea of, of this great turbulence, and, and they think they're going to die. I can tell you, there have been a lot of times in the storms in my life, I actually wondered if I was going to make it or not. They say, oh, pastor, you've, you're only 36 years old, you've never been through a storm, you haven't lived long enough. Well, I can tell you, I've lived through some pretty rough storms. There was a time I got so sick that I was sick for about a week and a half with some kind of flu that I'd never felt before. I couldn't eat anything. I could barely drink anything. Uh, I went to the hospital once during that time, and it was, I literally thought for a moment there I was dying. Now, being, being somewhat overweight, I often worry about heart attacks, and you know, you, you get in your mind those pains and where they are, and you hope that you, that's not the, is that the nerve muscle or is that the blood? You know, you're always always thinking on your mind. But i been been through times when I thought, because things got in, I was going to die I've also been in some storms in my life That I wanted to die Now you may not have been there in your life But I can tell you There have been troubled times in my life Where I wondered if it wouldn't be better If I was dead Those are rough times Those are easy times to deal with And sometimes It feels like we're all alone But how you know we're not alone? In fact, I find it very comforting that in the story, Jesus sees them from the mountain, and he goes down the world. Now, they're in the fourth, night, the fourth watch of the night, which, by the way, is just before dawn. There's this idea, this understanding that around the fourth watch of the night, this is probably the darkest part of the night. It's the darkest part of the night. The waves are crashing around. Uh, the wind is hailing and howling and blowing, and, and then the disciples realize they're, they're almost gone. They're probably not going to make it. Besides, another part of the story from one of the other books says that they had all the 12 baskets of food left over in the boat. And, uh, you know, anytime you got an overload of weight in a boat, well, that makes it even worse. In fact, remember in Jonah's story, they had to throw everything overboard to try to save the boat. Jesus is walking out to them, and I, I bet the disciples finally got that moment where they said, oh, we're gone. Look, the ghosts are coming to get us." I've often heard stories when people... You know, people who have said they've died and come back, or they see an angel come to them, or a great light come to them. Here's Jesus, and they don't recognize him from a distance, probably because there was no real distinguishing. In fact, the only time anybody could ever recognize Jesus from, from a distance was, was on the Mount of Transfiguration. They knew exactly who he was, and he was glorified to a point he was uh, standing out. But you know, even, even the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection of Christ didn't recognize it was him until he broke bread. And, and you have Jesus walking out to him, And they see this thing, it looks like a ghost to him, And they say to themselves We're done for It says in fact they were terribly afraid But why? Well because they thought it was the end They thought it was over And the great thing about Jesus Jesus understanding their fears And how many of you know Jesus understands our fears You know the Bible said there's no way uh, That man can be tempted That Jesus wasn't tempted there's no feeling that, he, that we've gone through in our lives that he hasn't been through. And I think that's incredible. Now, of course, temptations today are different than temptations back then. But it doesn't mean he wasn't tempted. It doesn't mean he wasn't given the ability to, to go through the emotions of fear and struggle. We know he wept, he cried. We know he slept, he ate. There's a lot of things he did that made him just like we are. Jesus comes to me, and knowing that they're afraid, knowing that he says, fear not. Well, it's easy for him to say. He's walking on water. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? It's easy for Jesus to say he's walking on water. Now, I don't know what walking on water looks like in a storm where the waves are coming up like this. Was he standing still? with all the, like, Was there a little circle around him that was still? Or was, was, was he... Fear not! Yeah, he's standing on top of the water. He's just bobbing up and down. It's I! Don't be afraid. And the disciple hanging on to the boat going, It's easy for you to say. Yeah. But one disciple in the boat sees Jesus, and something happens inside of him. And I don't think it was uh, a bravery or courage. I, I think it was a moment of just sheer vision. Where Peter is standing there, and he looks out... you got to remember Peter. Peter is not the brightest light bulb in the, in, in the drawer. Okay, he, he is not the finest tuned instrument in the shop. He is one of those guys who just, just always has a problem with opening his mouth and inserting his foot. And Peter says, hey, if it's really you... Now, I love that. How, you know, Jesus just said it was him. He said, so if it's really you, call me out there with you. After all, it was, it was the authority of the rabbi... That the disciple was able to do everything when you 're in a teacher student relationship, a rabbi when he would teach his student by the time he was done, the student should be able to do everything the teacher could do so Peter wasn 't really asking for anything outlandish, like walking on water is not outlandish, but he was just saying, "Hey, if you can do it, I can do it if it 's really you, then bid me come out to you, and I think it's something to be said for the fact that I think Peter got caught up in the fact, realized if he stays in the boat, then the boat sinks. He's better off drowning out in the water away from the boat than being dragged under by the boat. And he walks out to the water and begins walking on the water. Can you imagine Peter's first five steps? Because it's not like Jesus is near the boat because he, he says, come out to him. The, 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 the interpretation of that is he's, he's not like going, okay, take a step and come right out here on the edge of the boat with me. He's come on out imagine Peter's first five steps I can can just see this it's just just funny here is Peter he he steps over the boat which is rocking rocking and he goes solid they're all rocking they're still moving they're rocking oh hey hey look at that (laughs) <laughs> They're rocking. He's walking on water. And I don't know what they were thinking. Either like, I, I can see some of them smacking each other. Pfft, dummy, we should get out of the boat too. We're we're getting seasick. All these leftovers of fish and bread. And we're tossing and turning. He's out there walking on water. Pfft, you go. <laughs> no, I don't want to go. <laughs> So Peter's out there on the water. And this is, this is what I really want to focus on, just for a few more minutes. He's talking about Peter. He says, then Peter came out, and he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he, talking about Peter, saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. i got a question for you for just a minute. In what part of this story was the wind not boisterous? Because I got to think about that for a minute. The whole time he's in the boat, the wind is boisterous. The whole time Jesus has been walking out to them, the wind has been boisterous. and Now that he's out in the sh- out from the shelter of the boat, he begins to realize, I got nothing to protect me. Peter must have felt really comfortable in boats because... We know that often and on throughout the New Testament, he keeps going in and out of boats or back and forth the boats. It's only after the day of Pentecost he never goes back to fishing again. But even after the resurrection, he goes back to the boat. Something comfortable about the boat, something, something about the boat, which caused him to feel at least somewhat secure even in the middle of a storm because these aren't the only two storms ever happened in history on the Sea of Galilee. I hope you know that. In fact, most tourist companies will tell you at certain times of the night, they head in whether they want to or not because at any given moment, a storm could blow up even today on the Sea of Galilee and and, and turn tourist ships, massive ships, over. Well, Peter didn't have a cruise boat. He sure didn't have a love boat. He had a fishing boat. And these weren't great big boats. But there was some comfort in the boat. When he steps out of the boat, and it's only him and Jesus... The idea of walking on the water causes him now to be afraid. And he begins to sink. As he began to sink, the Bible says he cried out, Lord, save me. And the Bible says, immediately, immediately, Jesus didn't wait for him to go, You ever seen those cartoons? The one, two, three thing? He didn't wait for him to go, Huh, see? Where's your faith now, buddy? Bet you wish you were back in the boat. Sometimes I think we do that, people, when they lose faith. We go, hey, I knew it was going to happen to you, or I knew you couldn't do it, or I knew you, you were just kidding around. I knew you couldn't finish it out. Instead, Jesus immediately, the Bible says, grabs him by the hand and pulls him up. Immediately. Immediately. When he cries out, Lord, save me. And then when the, after he picks him up, then he says, hey, you're safe. Now, I can imagine. Because the Bible says at that point, when Jesus tells him he's safe, he, oh, ye of little faith, why'd you doubt? They're still outside the boat. Wind's still boisterous. The boat behind them still going up and down. And if Jesus is standing on top of the water and the water's going up and down, I'm sure Jesus and Peter... Why'd you doubt? (laughs) I'm just saying. Maybe it was still right around there, a little area. Maybe it wasn't. but, But think about this. He didn't even take him back into the boat to teach him the lesson. He stood right out there on the water with him to let him know, hey, if you keep your eyes fixed on me, it doesn't matter if you're in your boat or out of your boat. I'm with you. That's what makes the difference. You're safe because of me, not because of your boat. Bible says as soon as they step foot back in the boat, what happens to the wind? Now that would have been cool to watch. I'm sure the waves in in full height just kind of just tinkered out. And now it's calm again. The wind's gone. And they're out there scratching their heads. And I'm sure the leftovers of fish and bread are all over the boat. (laughs) They come in and then they, they go to shore, but they worship him we develop areas of safety in our lives because every one of us has gone through some kind of torment or turmoil or storm in our lives and i think sometimes the more we rely on the boat or the area of safety instead of jesus the worse the storms keep getting because we don't put our faith and our hope in the right shelter from the storm. These guys were afraid for all the wrong reasons. They were afraid of something that Jesus had complete control over. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, not the fear of the storms. And can I just tell you, there are always going to be storms. And we are always going to be finding ourselves doubting and scared if we keep putting our faith in things we create instead of in the God who created us. You know, all I keep hearing on the news about the shooting in Colorado all has to do with people talking about how evil it was. Evil, evil, evil. It's like I'm watching a SpongeBob cartoon. They're talking about the evil League of Evil or whatever. You know, it's, listen, people are putting their faith and hope. One guy even said, Well, I wish I'd had a gun. I could have stopped the whole thing. I said, Listen, the only thing that's going to stop fear is faith faith in one who controls. Listen, you and I aren't in control of our lives. We're not in control of the storms that hit us. I wish there was a way I could tell you that when you turn to Jesus, everything in your life is going to be peachy. Or is it rosy? I can't remember. It's going, be, it's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be work out. But the truth of the matter is even those that were with Jesus physically while he was on this earth went through storms. The problem is is when they started putting their faith in the boat instead of the one who created the universe. Every time he calmed the wind and the seas in their lives, they marveled at how great his power was. They wouldn't have had to marvel if they just remembered the reason I like testimonies in the church is because the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You and I have to put our faith in the one who loves us the most. And that's Jesus Christ. Listen, if you want to know how to overcome fear, it's putting your faith in Him. I, I, I love this. There was an old saying that Dr. King used at the end of his, uh, the end of his sermon. He said, Fear came knocking at the door, but faith answered and found nobody there. There's got to come a time when we say, listen, in the worst storms of our life, if we will keep putting our faith in Jesus, he'll help us through it. Doesn't always mean we'll get our way. I've told you this before, but, you know, when my grandmother was dying, we we prayed that she was in a coma for four days, and we prayed and prayed and prayed and you know, I have family members who really uh, don't always understand faith and they don't always understand my belief in divine healing and, and so when I pray for her and God doesn't do anything, the mockery just becomes overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but believe in God long enough, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I prayed and prayed and prayed. It doesn't mean I that God didn't heal her because of my unbelief, it just means that God I had a plan that I don't understand. But my faith still, in all the struggles of my life, still stays with Jesus. Because here's the key thing. If I would stayed in the boat, I would have never known how powerful he is. I'll close with this. My kids love to play video games, as most kids do. But, they, they never, but they, they, they've gotten into doing something a little bit different. They found these videos on YouTube where they can watch other people playing video games. Now, I don't understand what draws them to that. But I tell my kids, wouldn't you rather be in the, playing the game than watching other people play the game? Wouldn't you rather be a part than to sit back and watch? And it dawned on me, wouldn't I rather want to get out of the boat and, and trust God, faith-believing, and watch miracles happen than to sit in the boat of my own safety and security and watch everyone else around me get blessed, watch everyone around me get their their needs met and the prayers answered. I want to encourage you today. Listen, it's a very rare thing when God asks a, a believer to step out on faith, get out of their security, and follow Him and trust Him and not fear. And if God ever asks you to do that, do that in faith. Walk out in faith and do that. Trust God. Listen, God's never going to call you out of the boat unless he's going to stand on the water with you. And you don't have to live in fear. None of us do. Because of what Jesus did for us. Can we pray this morning? So glad you joined us today, but you really should visit in person. Service times are at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday night, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. Located at 582 Rockingham Road. It's on Highway 5, across from Everyday Inn in Bellows Falls, you can also visit our website, www.faithchristianag.com. God bless you. Have a great day.